Welcome to U of U COVID Sports Report. I'm your host, Leif Tulane. In March of 2020, all in the world of sports seemed normal until it wasn't, and the sporting world came to a screeching halt. On March 11th, Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz tested positive for COVID-19 prior to tip-off, sending shockwaves through the sporting community, both professional and collegiate. Regarding the Utes and college athletics, basketball conference tournaments all around the country were suspended, some games even being stopped mid-game. The NCAA tournament, affectionately called March Madness, was canceled. The University of Utah gymnastics team was undefeated and claimed the Pac-12 regular season title, and the Red Rocks looked to host senior night, back up the regular season title with the Pac-12 championship win, contend for the title of best team in the Pac-12 history, and consolidate themselves as legitimate NCAA championship contenders, trying to win their first national title since 1995. Not only do the teams finishing up the winter seasons get cut short, but the spring athletes lack the opportunity to compete in the season they train so hard for for months. Baseball, softball, men's and women's tennis, women's track and field, men's golf, and men's lacrosse were all cut short and told to wait on a decision regarding their eligibility, which eventually was decided to be retained. In this episode of U of U COVID Sports Report, we will discuss the impact of the canceled seasons on the University of Utah's athletes and those affected by the loss of sports. With more, here is Scott Stevens, joined by Zach Janis. All right, thanks guys. I'm now joined live here with Zach Janis. Zach is the executive director with View From The U Productions, as well as the director for All Things Sports, his own personal podcast. So Zach, thanks so much for taking the time to, to join us today, and I'm excited to hear what you have to offer. Yeah, of course. Alrighty. So my first question for you is, this first episode is basically built around the um, shutdown of sports in the spring of 2020. Um, can you just kind of, in your own words, talk about um, that shutdown due to COVID-19? Um, well, I mean, it's been it's been killer, uh, to be honest. It's it's affected everyone, um, everyone involved with sports, you know, collegiately, professionally, really anything. Um, if you like sports, you you felt you felt the effects of of the shutdown so far. Um, I mean, it's it's been a complete shutdown, with the exception of I believe you know the athletic facilities are allowing people to train um, and stick together socially and things like that. But other than that, you know, you're you're stand at home and and you're and you're keeping to yourself, which is which is killer. It, it really disrupts the whole process. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have any further information about how these sports teams have been training, and that if there's any sort of guidelines that they need to? abide by due to the new social distancing protocols and and things like that slash wearing a mask that we all have to deal with in our daily lives now um well i believe that most of the athletic facilities are open in some capacity now uh i believe at the beginning they were all shut down completely but that's just you know because nobody knew what was going on really uh but now nowadays you know especially because you know sports are starting to creep their way back into back into the fold really um, a lot of these places uh, places are doing limited capacity stuff. They're doing um, social distance workouts. You know, I know at the Life Center, uh, my own personal experience at Life Center, um, you have to be socially distanced. There's a capacity uh, limit, and you have to be wearing a mask the entire time, regardless of what you're doing or where you are inside the facility. And I would assume that that's the same uh, for all these facilities. Um, but yeah, it's really just, it's in the name of, of keeping people safe because I mean, really, you know, these, I'm sure everyone is aware that, you know, one slip up really, and, and, and everyone is back at square one in terms of, you know, progress towards, uh, towards playing sports. Right. Yeah. So, um, the athletics department prides itself on bringing in 
money for the university, right? It's a big attraction in particular college football. Um, how do you think that these shutdown and these and not sanctions, but um, these guidelines that they have to follow and the lack of training and stuff like that is really going to affect these programs moving forward? Um, could you could you kind of elaborate? Um, I'm not really sure. So, like, how is it going to affect profit or just you know, yeah, anything like in terms of scholarships, in terms of the way that they're um, able to function outside oh, of the gotcha. realm gotcha, of, gotcha, of gotcha. that stuff because they're definitely taking an economic hit by not playing and not bringing in that revenue and that sort of income so oh um, yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah no it, it's 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 been crazy how how much the university's kind of scrambled this semester um to to kind of recoup on those losses um in 2018 you know the football team made 18 million dollars just in ticket sales alone for the university and so that's a huge huge um uh, I don't want to say cash cow, but it's a cash cow. And, and the mm -hmm. U has been, has been really used to having that, you know, they've, I'm, I'm, and I'm assuming that since the team has been better and they've gotten better and better. And so have a lot of the other fall teams that that money has only increased. And so when you're used to that, and then it all of a sudden just goes away, you kind of have to scramble. And so um, I, I would assume that that's influenced uh, a lot of the in-person class stuff. Um, nothing has happened to tuition so far for, for University of Utah students. So I would assume that a lot of the tuition is going to go towards kind of, you know, keeping the lights on like it, like it's supposed to do. But um, I'm sure that the U has just kind of had to draw back on a lot of its uh, initiatives and programs and things like that, just because simply the money simply isn't there right now. Right. Right. Interesting. Um, so you work in the sports media uh, market. Um, how can you kind of go into how you've had to adapt and you've had to change your your target audiences your reporting and pretty much everything that you've had to do with no sports currently playing because i mean i've worked with you on short sports we covered we covered every week of sporting events in the u and it's just been so different to kind of have to deal with this whole world that no one's really competing and no one's playing especially on the collegiate level so just kind of give us your insight on how you've tried to adapt to that. Yeah, I, I mean, you said it best yourself. It's 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 kind of annoying. <laughs> it's a uh, uh, so yeah. It, so one of my shows, Short Sports, the one that that you're on with me. You know, we we were we were used to live streaming every week um, and covering whatever was happening with Utah sports. And obviously, you know, you have to change that uh, entirely. We had to change our entire show direction because um, there's no sports going on, and so we don't have anything to to meet up and do every week. So. Um, we did what a lot of news networks are, and media outlets are doing. We're doing exactly what the Chronicle is doing, and we're just going back through, you know, Utah history and, and writing up stuff about that. Um, I know that the Chronicle is doing a bunch of things with, um, uh, like, recent Utah football history, recent Utah, just, you know, sports in general. Um, and we're basically doing the same thing because, you know, we're, we're kind of left to our own devices in a big way. Um, and, and, uh, we, we, you know, we have to keep producing a show. So, so we have to come up with that content somehow. Um, but it's huge. I mean, it's affected, it's affected my process a ton. Um, you know, I'm used to, I'm used to going to the press conferences every week and, and doing all this and, and going into the studio to do my radio show live. And obviously none of that can happen anymore. So really, you know, my life, my life as a sports media person has, has become this It's just sitting in front of my webcam uh you know in with with a backdrop on and 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 you're kind of trying to just scramble and, and do your own thing but um you know I, I feel like we've all everyone you know that i work with has kind of grown on it 
um, it, it was obviously new at first. We were trying to do, we were trying to figure out uh, how to use uh, the the softwares and stuff that we used. And then, you know, it's, it, it became, it becomes about like, you know, using the correct audio equipment and stuff and just kind of figuring it out from a technical standpoint. But, um, you know, with time we've, we've kind of been able to figure that out and, and, and make a, a good product, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been killer so far. Yeah. It's, it's all about the adaption of, of things, right? You have to just completely adapt to everything that you knew or just starting to learn how to do. Right. So, um, Another question for you is what's like, it's kind of a fun one. What's the one thing that you've missed the most about not having Utah athletics compete on a weekly basis? Oh, just, Ooh, that's a good one. Um, it, it's gotta be the fans. I think, um, I mean, the, it, it, it being at the facilities, being at Rice Eccles stadium and the, and the Huntsman center. I mean, those are, those are beautiful facilities in and of themselves. And I, I love, you know, I, I, nothing is, better than than going to a utah football game at rice echo stadium um and and yeah i do i do miss that a ton but the the fans are really what uh, really what i miss because you know they've they've um you know outside of the financials and the athletics and stuff they've they've suffered alongside everyone uh, in the sports community because they you know some of these people that, that utah football is their entire life and 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 they're not wrong for thinking that or for believing in that but um, you know, their, their entire world like ours is turned upside down when there's nothing on. And, uh, you know, they had to deal with that for a long time. And now, you know, there's this, there's all this prospect that Utah football is coming back, which, you know, everyone is super excited about, but you know, there's going to be no fans in the stadium. It's going to be empty. And, you know, there's, there's only going to be, you know, some media and coaches and stuff allowed on the field and it's just different. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I, I miss the fans because my, my last real like game experience was, uh, you know, I went to uh, San Antonio for the for the Alamo Bowl, which wasn't wasn't a great ending. So, you know, I was excited. I was excited to get back here and 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 watch some Utah football with you know with with my crowd. Um, and I, I don't get that, and it's it, it's it's tough. And and yeah, so I'd, I'd probably say I miss that the most. Yeah, definitely. It's it's an interesting point you brought up with the Utah football schedule coming back. Um, kind of. If you could elaborate a little bit more on that, like they're playing eight games, seven games, correct, after starting in November. Um, just kind of what do you think that process is even going to look like? Do you, think, do you think it's a smart move? Do you think it's a, a wrong move? Do you think it's all about and, and kind of, yeah, just kind of give me your takes on Utah football coming back? Yeah, so so the U, along with every other Pac-12 school, they're playing a seven-game schedule. Um, they're playing all five of their in-conference or in-division, excuse me, uh, opponents, and then they're going to play one out-of-division game, um, and that'll get them to seven games. And it, it, I believe it's it, I believe it's something to do with limiting travel, so you don't have to fly around the West Coast all the time. Um, I think it's huge. I think it's uh, it's. You know, I had my own trepidations about it. I, I didn't think it was right at first, especially you know earlier on in the summer when when conferences like the Big Twelve and the and the um, um, SEC were were just kind of outwardly saying that we're going to play football. That that didn't sit right with me, just because nobody knew what was going on with the virus, and so you know it it would it seemed a little uh, less than humane to 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 commit to playing football, you know, when you don't know what's going on. But now now we know a lot more about it, and we know that it is a um, it is a disease where, you know, that has a minuscule chance to do anything really dangerous, but, um, you know, it just spreads really fast. And so, 
you know, if you manage it correctly and, and, and we've seen, you know, other leagues, uh, especially, you know, other college football leagues, they've been able to do it just fine. They've been able to manage it fine. And when they have outbreaks, you know, the, the proper protocols are taken. And so we've all kind of seen that, yeah, we could probably, we could do this and we can make this work. And so, you know, now that, now that I've seen that and now that, um, you know, it's been proven to me that, that, that we can do this safely and, and do it the right way. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I, I love seeing Utah football. I know, I know that um, there's a ton of kids on this Utah roster that are, are, that really could use that extra year to, to display their, their athletic abilities really. Um, and they'll get that now. And, and in, in any capacity, which, which I think is good. Um, seven games is a little weird. It's going to be weird with the with the playoff and with rankings and things like that. But I don't think any of that really matters this year. I think we're all just kind of happy to be playing football at this point. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Um, kind of segmenting off of that, how would you kind of feel if you were a different Utah Athletics fall athlete, say volleyball, say soccer, say anything like that, where football is given this chance to play a condensed season and and have kind of a national spotlight, but then you, that it was never in the conversation to bring back any of those other sports. How would you like, I'm not trying to say it's just due to the income that that college football can bring into the university, but there, there's a, there's a conversation to be had there about kind of the national highlight and the national spotlight that Utah football um, like demands and achieves. So kind of how would you, how would you feel if you were a soccer or a, or a volleyball player that don't have a chance to play this fall at all? And it was never really talked about. Oh, that, it sucks. That's it's, it's, it, it, I'd feel, I'd feel mad as hell. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and you said that, you know, you don't want to get into, you don't want to say that it's because of money, but that's exactly what it is. Um, right. Again, Utah football brings in tens of millions of dollars for the university just in ticket sales. And there's tons of money stacked on top of that for, for TV rights and things like that. Um, so it's, it's, the the U needs that that revenue stream, and so that's the one that they push for the hardest. And also, you know, fan wise, um, they probably got the most heat for to bring back football, just because the most people watch football. You know, um, it, on on any given volleyball game, and and I've been to my fair share. You might get a couple thousand people in the stands if it's a really big game of the season. Whereas um, in football, you're playing Idaho State, but you're still selling out to standing room only. <laughs> crowd and so right. you know it, it, it I understand that it it's it's a little unfair and uh and and I totally get that and I would feel I would feel that unfairness if I was another um one of these fall sports but at the same time you know the there was an overwhelming uh, amount of pushback against canceling football um and so that that kind of had to be addressed first I imagine that a lot of these sports might start to creep back as well. I know that volleyball is a winter sport, so it gets played into the spring as well. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would anticipate there's, that, there's, that there is going to be a lot of, of schedule rearranging. And, and so, um, you know, maybe with soccer, you could play some, game, some more games into the winter as well. Um, you might have to work that out just locationally just because it's going to start snowing here. Um, but other than that, a lot of these sports are starting to work around it. Um, Pac-12 basketball is scheduled to start on time. And so, um, and, and a ton of other sports are at least, you know, they have to cancel a couple of games just because it's already October. Um, but yeah, a lot of sports are starting to work around it. And a lot of the spring sports are, I believe are operating as though, as though it's business as business as usual. Right. Yeah. Well, Zach Janice, thanks. Thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And, uh, hope to hear from you soon. All right. Take care. Yeah, of course. All right. Thanks, man. 
Thank you again, Zach, for your time. And now we're sending it over to Zoe Gottlieb, who is joined by former Sports Desk editor, Casey Overfield. All right. So my first question for you is why do you think that the Pac-12 is playing less games, less conference games than other members of the Power Five? And do you think that they're at a total disadvantage or a less hectic schedule can play to their strengths? Yeah, I think the main reason why they're playing less games is simply because they're starting later. Um, they're not starting until November, whereas some of the other Power Five conferences have already started, some or all. I think most, most of them have already started playing. Um, and so they can only get so many games in between November and December. And so, and I think that's due in part to the like Pac-12 headquarters and so many of the teams being in California and on the West Coast where uh, the restrictions are a lot, um, are a lot tighter. Um, yeah, and then can you repeat the last part of that question? Oh yeah, of course. Um, so the last part was, do you think they're at a total disadvantage or a less hectic schedule will sort of play to the youth strengths? Mm -hmm. I definitely think that the schedule that Utah got, uh, got handed this year is great. I think that's awesome. We do, um, we did get a much easier schedule, which is awesome. We're not playing um, Oregon, which is big, and we're not playing uh, UW, which is also very good because um, those two teams give us a lot of trouble each year. So I think that that'll be good, especially um, after coming off such a big year last year. Um, I know that everyone wants us to do really well, and our team, I think, is really good, but this will kind of give us a chance to just have less stress um, going into the year. And so, yeah, I do think that the easier schedule is better, especially in a year where anything could happen. Um, we don't know if there's going to be a, call, a football playoff or what how is gonna happen to college football in December. And so I think that having the easy schedule will just help us. It'll be chill and then it'll just get our younger players ready for next year when we hopefully get a full season. Well, my next question, which goes back to sort of what I was talking about with uh, like Utah football last year and missing sort of like that cumulative game, like tying everything together with Oregon, University of Oregon. So with Utah so close to qualifying for the playoffs yeah, last year, um, how do you think coronavirus has affected morale? And what like sort of um, have, because I don't know if you've been like doing any interviews or like anything that would give you some insight on that, like how the players are dealing with it in terms of morale. So if you could follow up on that, that would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, we weren't allowed at the end of the year last year to talk with the football team. We tried, we tried to get in as soon as everything happened. Um, but unfortunately we weren't, we're not allowed to talk to any athletes. However, judging by, all of the social media and like what has been going around at this point. Um, I don't think that, I think they're all just happy to have the opportunity to play again. Um, but I do think that the last few months have been stressful for everyone, athletes, non-athletes, but especially for um, the older players on the team. I mean, there was a question there of whether or not they would get to play their final season, which is not never a fun, a thought to have and never something that's 
you no one ever wants to think about that. So I think that um, overall people are going to be typically more excited to play because they're getting a chance that they weren't going to get. They might not have gotten before. So they're kind of getting lucky here. Um, and the fact that they are going to get to play and they get to see each other. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I live at home with my parents right now. And so the only people I'm seeing are my parents. And anytime I get to go to work is like the best thing ever because I get <laughs> to see people other than my parents. And so yeah. I think I can imagine that the team is just excited to get out and hang out with their friends. And I think that that will really help people just be excited in a different way that they aren't normally. And they're going to have to hype each other up because there's not going to be fans in the stadium and they're just going to have to get the energy from each other. So I think that they will. and I think it'll be good. And welcome back. Joining us now are the other members of the U of U's COVID sports report, Chloe Sexton and Zoe Gottlieb. We'll be discussing Zach Janice's and Casey Overfield's interesting responses regarding COVID's impact on University of Utah athletics. And now with more, Zoe Gottlieb. All right, guys. Um, so I guess I have the floor. So the first question I wanted to ask you guys is Casey Overfield mentioned in her interview with me um, that the possibility that the West Coast uh, Pac-12 members might be able to use their individual practices with um, their respective positions. So individual offense and defense practicing um, to their advantage in the Pac-12 upcoming games. So I was just wondering, uh, do you guys think this will play out as a strength for those teams, especially on California where there's more pandemic restrictions or not? Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point for sure. Um, I think there has to be a little bit of a letdown um, at some point if you're not, if you're, because the way a normal practice would run is your, is your number one offense goes against your number one defense to prepare for, to prepare for games. Um, and so if you don't have offensive players on the field to kind of prep and get your defense ready to play. Um, I think that can be, I think that can be felt on both sides of the ball. Um, so, so yeah, I think it'll be an interesting, that, that's an interesting scenario to, to look at moving forward. Yeah, I think um, like Scott said that, that you, you, iron sharpens iron typically and you're going to put your best players against the best players and try to get them prepared for the physical nature of football. Um, however, I think it could, it could favor the offense um, just because a lot of communication is uh, is halted by fans and the noises. So practicing, just getting all the signals working on all continuity, because that's all you're allowed to do, may allow for good execution, but they could also be in for a, a rough shock of a physical defense that they haven't prepared for. Right. I think that's a, a really like insightful point. And um, I think We'll just have to see how it plays out. I have a lot of faith in the Utah football team. And um, after that disappointment last year, I think um, they're definitely like sort of looking for retribution this year, so. Surely, yeah. So going off of that, um, so how do you guys believe that the way um, football practices have sort of changed under COVID would change the nature of the game. And do you guys have any insight on what those changes would look like or do look like? Um, some of the changes are just position groups playing together um, and only practicing within position groups, such, such as the defensive backs, for instance, only practice with the defensive backs coaches and work on their specific drills. Whereas typically they'd be playing with the entire defense, all 11 rather than four or five. Um, 
and I think that that a lot of technique will be really improved, but continuity within within even the same unit defenses and offenses will will be need, need to be seen because of COVID restrictions. They haven't been able to play, practice in ordinary manners such as a normal season would indicate. Yeah, and I think on the contrary, there is a lot of these programs are relying these player on these players to to build off of what they've learned in high school um, and, and, and things like that in those programs to kind of understand systems of defenses and systems of offenses to be, and to be like thrust into a situation where they can succeed. Um, I think a lot of that falls back on how well did you recruit the past few years um, as well as you, it's a huge difference between watching film to prepare for teams and then seeing them on the field. So I think even if you don't have any sort of chance to practice with your full team, um, that's going to really, really be detrimental when, when the games come around. Yeah, for sure. So just kind of like recapping some of the main um, issues that the Pac-12 might be facing in the upcoming season. Um, I think one of the biggest issues right now is people debating over the ethics of whether playing is the right thing to do or not um, with the athletic director, Mike Harlan, kind of sort of just saying that basically we should play and sort of making that executive decision for everyone. Um, and I wanted to know what, cause I remember um, Zach Janice and both him and Casey mentioned that there could be um, some negative effects coming from that. So I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts. I mean, I think from a business standpoint, the U and the PAC 12, they're going to want to push for football to start again. And I feel like they feel as if they've waited a long enough time that, oh, it'll be fine come November. Um, I mean, we've seen how the other um, conferences have been doing football. And I see things on social media complaining about how there are fans there. Um, do you guys know if there's going to be fans at any of the Pac-12 games? There won't be. They okay. The conference has come out and said that they aren't allowing fans in any of the venues. Okay. So I have noticed that people on social media are complaining that there's a ton of fans at um, one of the big games I saw. I'm not super familiar with sports. I want to say it was Clemson. Have they, have, has Clemson been playing games? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I saw some people debating whether people were too close and they weren't wearing masks when they're at the game. So you can only expect that um, people are going to be mad when sports are proceeding again and what sports are proceeding again. I mean, football gets a lot of um, publicity. It's argue arguably the biggest sport, especially for um, the University of Utah. So I think it'll be interesting how um, other sports follow suit in terms of are they going to get seasons back? You know. Yeah, to build off of that off of that point, um, I watched the the only top ten ranked matchup so far this year. I think was Georgia against Auburn last weekend, um, and that might have been the game that Chloe was talking about. There was a lot of people in the stands, and it was just like I looked at the TV and my jaw kind of hit the floor. I was like, wow, and I just think it builds off of two completely different demographics throughout the portion of the United States. I think if you, if you look at what, if you look at what conferences started their seasons on time, technically, um, 
you can you can see the huge di huge difference in the demographics of of who was playing and who wasn't so so whether or not it's right or wrong is i think still up in the air and still is yet to be determined um but i think in my eyes it's just kind of hard to to um to stand by and say oh yeah we need college football to come back when even here in utah we had a thousand cases of covid in a day um the other day so so yeah i think it's it's a catch 22 because the athletic department brings in so much money for the university, but at the same time, player safety is always paramount or as that's what they always preach. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens moving forward when the season does start and, and, and if there's any effects from that. Exactly. I think, I think you touched on it. It's the, uh, it's, it's a controversy between, especially the Southern schools, like you mentioned, the Auburn and Georgia game, which was a top 10 matchup and two football rich history schools. Um, so especially the Southeastern Conference and the Atlantic Coastal Conferences where Clemson and Alabama and all the traditionally best schools play, they, they lose so much money if they don't play football and they're not quite as on board of the, oh, COVID is really horrible train and they, they didn't cancel as quickly as other conferences. And I think the Pac-12 and the University of Utah in turn tried to be very aware of what they were doing and how it would impact their athletes. And I think it was a really good thing. As much as I love football, I was on board with the cancellation and I'm happy that it's back and I'm very happy to watch Utah football and Pac-12 football in general. But having no fans is a very smart thing to do. And I don't think the U, um, the U or any of the Pac-12 schools will stray from that because they're just thankful to have football back. Yeah. For sure. I think a lot of people share the sentiment that um, no matter how the games are executed, like as long as they're back on the field, they feel good about it. And I think um, that kind of calls into question, like, you know, for some people it might, you know, feel comfortable just to be playing again. But what do you guys think about like new recruits or people trying to show off their skills? Like how does that affect them in the long run? Yeah, it's it's a huge question, right? Like the, you have you have eighteen year olds coming in from high school, and this is the only experience that they've known so far. Is they can't even go to the dining hall really necessarily to eat their eat their meals, right? So I mean, I think the veterans on the team are really going to have to step up and say, "Listen, this is how things are going to have to be. We're going to be able to get through it, and we're going to be able to put a good product on the field come come November." But um, but it's a huge issue um, to try and get 18 year olds to buy into this new system that they're having to run. And it's their, some of them, it's their first time ever away from home for any extended period of time. So, um, but then again, um, they come to a D1 a division one college um, as, as with hopes to become a professional athlete. So um, they need to know that things like this can, can come and go. This is unprecedented times, but it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how these young kids handle this without any sort without any sort of regular fall camp or anything like that. It's going to be it's going to be really cool and really intriguing in my opinion to see how they how they handle it. Yeah, there's two aspects where that that'll be very indicative of performances on the field is one and two is how long like 18-year-old kids especially the young freshmen or people who are getting the first time to play uh, perform without proper training camp and, and the usual um, ability to prepare their bodies. You know, injuries can happen, especially to people who aren't accustomed to a college football season. They're used to playing their people their own age and typically dominating in high school. And now they're playing people that are just as good as them. Um, and then the other thing is how do they adapt scholastically to, to not having um, one, you know, classes in person. It's very, it's a huge change. Like we all experience it. 
And two, more importantly, um, how do people adapt to uh, not being able to socialize? And, and for an athletes, you know, the, they're, they're known to, and stereotypically, the athletes are known to go around and, and have fun at parties and stuff. And what, what's the life different? It's going to be different for athletes academically and socially. And then on the field, you got, it's gonna, that's going to affect their play as well as the lack of preparation physically. Yeah, I think, yeah. sorry, I think a really interesting no, you're good. thing that he brought up is the injury thing. Um, I think if you look across the board in the NFL, it's been riddled with a lot of people getting hurt early in the season. Um, I'd love to see some more further studies um, in this case regard, in regards to uh, last year or years prior to see if this year is just an anomaly or or see if there's actually some studies that can be done and see if the lack of training camp in the NFL and the lack of preseason games um, and that stuff to get people's bodies kind of ready to get tackled by 300 pound linemen um, ready to go. So it'll be interesting to, to watch. And there's a lot more that you can do in the NFL. If you have a lot of people get injured, there's a lot less you can do in college if you have half your roster get hurt. So um, it'll be really interesting to see, how the players come out ready to go and then yeah I'm looking forward to it yeah and it'll be interesting to see how Utah does I mean we lost a lot of really good players I mean example Zach Moss he's gone he's off in the NFL we miss him because he was amazing but it'll be interesting to see how regardless of COVID how they're going to be as a team as far as new players when they had so many valuable key players leave last year. So I kind of want to um, take a step back and go back to something that Leaf brought up, which was um, that there's sort of like a culture around um, with football players sort of socializing a lot and that can happen before or after games and just like taking that approach and contrasting it with like the NBA and, and sort of like that bubble sort of how people are who stay together in the same hotels and the risk for COVID is like goes down significantly because they're in contact with less people so how do you think like the NCAA could sort of use that approach to um, sort of better the team and uh, sort of decrease the risk for COVID-19? Well in my opinion the NBA did a phenomenal job but that's not feasible for college uh, colleges just because there's not enough money. Um, the NBA makes $60 billion per year and they can, uh, they can afford to put millionaires in a bubble and entertain them with the best there is. Colleges all across the country uh, can't do it because there needs to be a somewhat equal system. They can't afford as common of tests. Um, and college players aren't paid. Um, and so college college players aren't paid, so, and they're and they're uh, amateurs. And so when they're amateurs, they're they're supposed to have the college experience. And without that college experience, it'll be interesting to see how teams, especially um, freshmen, adapt to not having social experiences. And I think it'll be very um, important for the seniors and upperclassmen to tell the tell the upper on um, the underclassmen, hey, look, if we want to have a season season, you have to abide by these guidelines, even if it's not that fun. If this is important to us. Yeah, I think Leaf hit the nail on the head. It's it's all about financials, right? NBA players um, are paid millions of dollars and they sign contracts that say you're going to abide by these set rules or else they lose their money. Um, in terms of in terms of college football, 
these athletes are a lot like like all of us on this on this call right now. They have to go to their classes. They some of these some of them are being held in person. Some of them aren't. Um, they have to go shop for their groceries. They have to do all these different things. And like, if one person screws it up for the rest of the team, it's it can be the end of the season for that team. And it's basically yeah, it's the risk that all of these collegiate programs are taking when you have people who transfer into this program for one year to showcase their skills to say, I'm ready to go play professional football. And then you have a freshman walk on, come on and get COVID and, and then gives the entire team COVID and then the entire program shut down for the rest of the year that, that they're not getting that year back. So at least at this point in time, they're not getting that year back. So, so yeah, I think we've hit the nail on the head. It's almost impossible to set up a bubble for collegiate sports, um, but they're going to have to just, really come together as a program and say this is what we need to do to to make it to make it last and i think that'll do it for us at uh, u of u COVID sports report thank you for joining and hope you enjoyed this episode and tune into the next one